So I'm not sure that I can add anything at all to that reading, especially if you are from Ukraine. Um, I almost want to put this down and just play it again. So if that's all that you take away this morning, then that is enough. Huge thanks to Karina for being brave enough to, to do that reading for us. As Simon said, at Bushfield Camp, that's a disused army base. Karina's from Ukraine, born in Crimea, but when Russia invaded, she moved to the capital, Kyiv, and then to the UK after the next invasion, fleeing conflict. So that was an abridged version of chapter three, and I'll explain why in a moment. So what I'm gonna do this morning is three things. One is recap the story so far. So if this is your first Sunday here at Christchurch, welcome. You have landed in the middle of a series of lamentations. We are lamenting as a church in Lent. Next, I'm going to delve into chapter 3 in a bit more detail so we can see what's going on here. And then finally, we're going to think together just about how this can help us. Why is lamenting good? And I'm just going to suggest that it provides us with a pathway through pain. Because we are indeed besieged in our world and in our communities. We are under attack from all sides and our landscape is often bleak. Okay, so we're going to recap, we're going to look at chapter 3, and then why on earth Lamentations is helpful. So, the story so far. It is 587 BC. Jerusalem, the capital city of God's people, has been under siege for two years. The Babylonians have the city surrounded. They are starving the inhabitants out. The attackers finally break through the city walls and the buildings, especially the holy temple, are destroyed. The people are mistreated by the invading army. Some try to flee, others are by then too weak. This is the damage and the desecration is horrific. So Lamentations is written by those who were left behind. Most of those who were left were actually taken into exile and this is their story of lament. So there is no sign whatsoever of a rescue act from God. There is a deep sorrow from the heart about shattered hopes and dreams. This is a tragedy of immense proportions. There is no happy ending on the horizon. So Lamentations is a book of poetry, possibly written by the prophet Jeremiah. He was there, he lived through it all. And it makes me think of some of the really powerful poetry that came out of the World War, II, World War I and those captured from Jerusalem and led into exile remind me of some of the poetry that we read. Um, uh, for example, Wilfred Owen, Dulce et Decorum Est. Men marched asleep. Many had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshed. All went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue. All the poems from the First World War are really uncomfortable reading, yet the legacy is powerful, as is that of Lamentations. So scripture's poetry is genius. So for any Hebrew scholars among you, it will be patently obvious that this is an acrostic poem with the verses from each stanza beginning with the subsequent letters of the alphabet. So in chapters one and two, each uh, verse was A, B, C, D, 
E. And here, in R chapter 3, we actually have three times, we've got a triple whammy here, we've got three times the amount of verses, so it's AAA, BBB, CCC, right the way through the alphabet. And it's incredible to think that poetry of such power and such passion is written in such form, hence the abridged reading. And a huge thanks to Brian who did the abridged reading and also all of our notes on this. My gosh, we're so grateful to him. So chapter one, recapping, the voice of the poet is Jerusalem. So we have got her as a grieving widow. She's destitute, she's abandoned. And if you want to catch up with that, you can watch the live stream from the 11 o'clock service when Simon led it a few weeks back. Chapter two, we've got the voice from God's perspective. Israel has violated his covenant with them and he is angry, God is angry. Listen back to James's talk to see how Jesus sets that straight. And chapter three, okay, well, this is personal. This is personal. It's personal actually, by the way, has made it into the Urban Dictionary. So first of all, I want to speak to the elephant in the room because these very famous verses of hope come in the middle of what is destitution. And they've been quoted across the board by people who don't even know the book of Lamentations, uh, like me, before I started to study it, and also as these great, great worship songs. So in your Bibles, page 826, if you want to follow on, Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, my Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. So not to diss the amazing words and the amazing worship songs, but how on earth does this hope fit into the landscape of destruction? So to me, the, the only way I can describe it helpfully or unhelpfully is as a sandwich. Okay, so I want you to imagine the tiniest, thinnest, wafer-thin ham that you can find, just a shred of it. And I want you to put that into a sandwich. And the sandwich, the bread, is the biggest possible bread that you can find. Okay, it's a doorstep. So the doorstep is God's wrath, and the slither of ham is hope. And so this is what we're dealing with. Hope is there, but it is a tiny bit. If you imagine taking a pint glass and shattering it on the ground and then picking up one shard, that is the amount of hope that we're dealing with in the book of Lamentations. But it is there. We do have hope. And this is a cry to God out of hope that he would act out of his goodness and mercies, that they would be new every morning. So the people are imploring God to remember them. And he did this through history. Um, as he did in Exodus 2, God heard the groaning of his people. He remembered the covenant and he looked down upon the Israelites. And the cry here is to do the same. Yet there's a quietness and a silence about chapter 3 that we'll explore a little bit more in the prayers at the end of this. 
But there are tears day and night, the desperate lament from God's people, which will carry on until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. And into this silence, a truth comes. God may or may not act. One amazing phrase I was taught on my ordination training by David Torrance was, God is God and we are not. God is God and we are not. So God may or may not act. There's a fantastic example of this uh, in the book of Daniel. So Daniel, fast forward a couple of decades, he is now the ruler over Babylon and helping Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king who led the invasion and the destruction of Jerusalem. Daniel's got three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story that's coming. They were also in positions of power, but they refused to bow down to a huge golden image. They would only worship the one true God. Nebuchadnezzar was furious, and he ordered them to be thrown into a fiery furnace. He was so angry that he turned the blaze up sevenfold. And this is what they said before they were thrown in. And this is what's crucially important this morning. The God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he does not, even if he does not, we are not changing our tune. We're going to worship the one true God. And this is the and yet that we hear through Lamentations 3. This crazy confidence. Verse 31, no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me, says the psalmist in Psalm 42? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. For yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. We know that the Psalms are full of lament, just as this book is. So how can this help us today? How can what's happened in Babylon looking at chapter 3, help us today. And I'm going to suggest that chapter 3 offers us a pathway through pain. The staff team know that I'm a very big fan of the Oscars. And, of course, tonight is that ceremony. And it's very likely that all quiet on the Western Front is going to scoop a handful of Academy Awards. It's a remake of the First World War film, but from the German perspective... It's in German with British subtitles, and it may even become part of the school curriculum in Germany. It revisits the tragedy of war. Um, it's not easy watching. I mean, even the trailer makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. And as a journalist, I remember conducting a series of interviews for the 60th anniversary of D-Day, that was in 2004, and asking a hopelessly naive question of the veteran that I was interviewing. And um, I said to him, well, wh why is it important to remember? And the answer came back as he almost spat into the microphone, remember, remember, I've spent 60 years trying to forget. 
So why are we revisiting Lamentations this Lent? How can we connect with it? And why is the ability to lament an important part of each of our journey into faith? Well, the big thing that I found through Lamentations 3 is how to pray through the pain. There are no quick fixes. The pain may not ever go away. The situation may never change. And yet, I will praise you. Verse 21 of chapter, the chapter says, Yet this I call to mind. Let's remember God's promises. And it's a call for an endurance, and life really can feel like an endurance test for much of the time. And it's into this that hope speaks. It's into this hope that for the first time in the book, we hear God speak. I think it's the only time. So verse 57, you came near when I called and said, do not fear. So the voice that's attributed to God here, do not fear. Not, well, I've got this one, or don't worry, it'll be fine tomorrow, or there's an army on the hillside, they're waiting to swoop down like the cavalry to save you, just do not fear. And that was enough. That's all that needed to be said, fear dispatched in the face of adversity. So there's the war and the impact of war in Ukraine, which was so powerfully shown to us. Carrying on this week, these hypersonic missiles. Remember the steel plant in Mariupol, which was a modern-day siege. Remember Aleppo, ravaged by war and then hit by an earthquake, with the one route through into Syria blocked by a landslide. One priest working there this week described it as a new level of hell. And then there are things closer to home, things in our lives over which to lament. And it's in these darkest moments that we cry out to God. It's said there are no atheists on a battlefield. A different priest in Syria, Father Fadi Azar, said that at the moment the earthquake struck, the only words being shouted were to God and Jesus for help. He said that many have doubts, but they have faith that God will not abandon them. And so the belief in God remains, back to that shard of glass from the broken pint. When we pick it up, our fingers may bleed, but still through that glass we can see light. And if the pint glass was put back together, we'd see refraction. And that light is a symbol that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is our hope, the light of the world. We're going to pray now, and I just want us to be happy with a little bit of silence, because in Lamentations 3, there's a good chunk of silence. So I'm going to lead us through some prayers, ending with verses from the scripture, and just be at ease with a little bit of silence. Lord, we're going to cry out for help. Please don't shut out our prayers. Make our way towards you straight. Jesus, we call on your name right at the start of these prayers. Spirit, give us peace as we come to you in all of our vulnerability. 
We want to be still and know that you are God. So a moment of silence now and let's quieten our hearts and allow God to bring to the surface whatever it is he would speak to us about this morning. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's a connection between asking for forgiveness and lament. So we're now going to say sorry. Sorry, Lord, for all the things that we've done wrong. Sorry for the grudges we have held and we release them to you now. Forgive us our sins of negligence and ignorance for our deliberate sins, and grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit to amend our lives according to your holy word. We ask our prayers will get through. We bring before you in our mind's eyes and in this quiet the people that we know who are destroyed one way or another. Look down on them, Lord. We pray and see them. Do not close your ears to our cries for relief. We cry out for relief for those in Ukraine, Syria, Uganda, for those Christians being persecuted for their faith. We cry out for relief for those in our own country who are desperate, who are overcome with grief, for those whose tears flow day and night, for those who feel they are in the depths of a pit. Come near to us when we call and speak out your words of comfort. Do not fear over our lives. We ask your spirit to speak out these words of hope taking away all fear over what is around and ahead. Give our hearts peace. We thank you for the hope we have in Jesus, for the hope we have in Easter and the resurrection, the hope of eternal life. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him.